Welcome back to the second episode of Aseret the Big Ten, the core values of Judaism based on the Ten Commandments. And we're going to start with the tenth. I will explain to you later why what there's a a hint to this in the writings of the Gaon of Vilna, the Vilna Gaon. Do not covet. What is do not covet? And when you look into the Peshat, the literal meaning, it's quite narrow, actually. The Rambam, who codified all of Jewish law, explains the following. You're sitting in your house, you look out the window, and you see your neighbor's house. And you feel a little envious. Why can't I have a house like that? I would love that house. Well, we'll see later on whether or not that's a good thought, what to do with that thought. But that's kind of understood. That's human nature. That's not the problem. The problem, says the Rambam, is when you start to dwell on that thought. Now, for sure you could go to your neighbor and say, I love your house, would you want to sell it to me? And if your neighbor says yes, good luck to you. That's commerce. But when your neighbor says no, I do not want to relinquish my house. I have no interest in selling it. Then dwelling on those thoughts of how to acquire your neighbor's house from your neighbor who does not want to relinquish it is the first step in coveting. And in fact, says the Rambam, if you look in the second um the second version of the Ten Commandments in, in Parshat Vetchanan, it says, Lo titaveh. Do not desire. And says the Rambam, that is the first part of do not covet. Lo titaveh means do not desire, do not dwell on your thoughts to acquire something which belongs to someone else. Should you then act upon those thoughts, and says the Rambam an incredible thing, even by offering extra money, in a obviously in a market where money is not the only consideration, if people are in a property market, often in commercial settings where people are just trying to make money, well, offering more money could be fine. But in a residential situation where people are settled, where there's more to their house than just money, offering more money and trying to coerce people to relinquish what they do not really want to relinquish, says the Rambam, that's coveting. So coveting means getting up and doing something to acquire something from someone else that they do not want to relinquish. And of course you're thinking to yourself, according to the letter of the law then, if I see my neighbor's new shoes, they're really nice shoes and I want them, so then, okay, what am I going to do? I'm not going to offer my friend money for his shoes. I'm going to go onto Amazon and buy them. That's not a problem according to the letter of the law. And you're 100% right. It is not a problem according to the letter of the law. However, let's start to think about what is the underlying principle of this deber, of this, what's the core value over here? And of course, the most simple idea that arises is don't look over your shoulder to think what other people have. 
Don't be concerned with trying to con- trying to acquire what they have. Be happy with what you have. And in fact, that's what it says in Pirkei Avot. In a very interesting statement, Re- Re- Ben Zoma says, Ezra Asher, who is rich, or wealthy, who is wealthy, who is really rich, Hasamech Bechalkoi. Someone that is happy with their own portion, with their own lot in life. And that that is really what is underlying this Diber. Are you happy? Are you able to embrace your own life? Can you see your life? Do you see your life as a gift? As something of excitement and something to be happy with, something to be sameach bechalkoi, happy with your lot, actually enjoy it? How does this work? So obviously, the first stage is hakaratatov. Gratitude. And the Hebrew hakaratatov comes from the word lahakir, to recognize. The first part of gratitude is so easy. Just a question of focus. You want to be a grateful person. You want to live with some simcha. You want to live with some joy. Learn to be grateful. The starting line is not 100%. The starting line is zero. What are we owed? Are we owed anything? We have a body. We have a soul. We have the ability to breathe and see, to hear. If just started off and think, okay, I shouldn't even exist. And look how much I have. And look at every aspect of what I have. And look at the whole. That's considered hakarat hatov. Recognizing the good in your life. And in fact, Rabbi Meir says, based on a verse in the Torah that says, What does God want from you? And Rabbi Meir says, Don't read ma, don't read what, read meir. Read a hundred. Because what's asked from us is 100 blessings a day. A person should say 100 blessings a day. Count your blessings. What an exercise in Hakaratatov, in gratitude. Verbalize it. Recognize it and verbalize it. And on a deeper sense, Rabbi Umeir is teaching us something profound about our relationship with God. Because if someone gives you something again and again and again and more and more and more and again and more a hundred times a day at least you have to stop and ask yourself one day why why are they giving me so much why am i so blessed and of course that would be the beginning of your relationship the covenantal relationship we have with god so the first step is hakaratatov. Recognize the good in your life. Recognize not only the good in your life as what it is to you, but what it is to other people, what it, how it serves humanity. Remember, Moses would not hit the water because it had saved him when the Egyptians were killing the, the, uh, the, the Jewish children. And he wouldn't hit water because he saw, wow, water can be a source of redemption. 
the water saved my life. I will not hit water. Look at the world that way. Look at the trees, look at the grass, look at the roads, look at the cars, look at your computer, your phone, everything. What is its serving? What is its purpose? And respect that and to come to a level of living, resonating with the blessings around us. We have never been, you know, I was sharing this idea with a multimillionaire and he told me, you know, it's amazing. Even the poorest of people today have more than royalty did 150 years ago. Running water, electricity, heating, clothing, food. Just think about what the most simple person today, the a person of simple means has more than ever before. And the challenge is to keep this thinking. How do we keep it? How do we live in the state of gratitude, of simcha, of happiness? And I think we need to actually confront the underlying problem. And that is, when we look across the, the street and we see the beautiful house and we think to ourselves, you know, I would love a house like that. Before we can really turn to appreciate what we have, we need to answer the question, why? Why does my neighbor have a nicer house? And for that, we need this Vilna Gaon. And that's what I referenced in the beginning. Says the Vilna Gaon can be found in Evan Schlemer, chapter 3. And he says, Lord Tachmod, this Deber, do not covet, is the general principle of the Ten Commandments and the entire Torah. Meaning, if you would put the Torah on one point, what does this whole pyramid, looking upside down, this upside down pyramid, what does this pyramid rest on? What is it spinning on? What is the point? And says of amazingly, it's the Tenth Commandment which is by my, no mistake that it's the 10th. The 10th is always the koilal, is always the general category of the of, of the um, ones that came before. It's a metric system. And says of Al-Nagun, it's do not covet. Why? Because in order to uproot, do not covet, one must have imuna or bitachon. One must have faith and trust in the Almighty. What faith and trust are we called to to have for that we have to you have we have to know this this um, quote from Rabbi Shlomo Volbi he writes it in Alei Shur in the second volume on page 71 I'll translate it to you every person should say I with my strengths and talents facial features and personality traits am unique in the world among all those living today and in all past generations, there was no one like me, nor will there ever be anyone like me until the end of time. God has sent me into the world with a unique mission that no one else can fulfill, only in my one-time existence. God has sent me into the world with a unique mission that no one else can fulfill, only in my one-time existence. Each one of us 
is unique. We are created unique. And with that uniqueness comes a unique mission. We are individuals. That is the answer to the question. Why does my neighbor have a nicer house? I don't know the absolute answer to that, but I do know that he's different. And each one of us is different. And I cannot do what he's meant to do in his life. And he cannot do what I am meant to do. And in order for me to do what I need to do, I really have what I need. There is nothing more that I need than what I have. And that's the answer. And that's the imuna and betokhen. That's the faith. That's the trust that we have in the Almighty that we are putting this world with specific, unique, individual personalities and six and and situations circumstances in order to fulfill a unique mission if we could live with that thought if we could remind ourselves of that thought every morning waking up looking in that mirror and saying well there's a unique opportunity right here and it's called my life do not ask what the world can do for you, but ask what the world is asking from you. That was Viktor Frankl. And he saw that in the most dire of circumstances. He saw that in a work camp. That there was still an opportunity for dignity. And wow, do we live in a different world. And wow, our opportunities to elevate ourselves and make a positive impact on the world, so much more. Each day, every moment, minute to minute, day to day, we are faced with, are we giving to this world? Are we elevating ourselves, giving to it? Or are we taking? That do not covet. And of course, when you understand it on that level, we could really embrace our lives as a gift. We can understand, wow, of course, that's the, the, the general principle of Ten Commandments and the whole Torah because without that, what are you living for? When Rav Zusha, famous Hasidic rabbi, was on his deathbed, his students found him in uncontrollable tears. And they tried to comfort him by telling him that he was almost as wise as Moses and as kind as Abraham. So why... Was he worried? He would for sure be judged positively in heaven. And Zusha replied to his students, When I get to heaven, I will not be asked, Why weren't you like Moses? Or why weren't you like Abraham? They will ask, Why weren't you like Zusha? And then, what will I say? And that story, how beautifully and poetically it expresses this idea, also answers another question. And that is the question of what is the balance between gratitude and ambition? They're almost opposite movements. Gratitude, ex realizing what I have, focusing on what is, realizing the, seeing the blessing in that, affirming the blessing in that. And, and ambition saying, there's something more. I need to do more. 
And I think the answer is simple. Yes, you should be ambitious to do your mission. But of course you realize that that's the greatest blessing in the entire world. And so you can carry these two almost seeming opposite emotions together where you could be completely ambitious, understanding what your role is, knowing, feeling completely secure within your role, feel excited about the opportunity about it. By the way, Benzoma doesn't say who is happy, the one who's happy with his lot. He says who is rich. Because what is rich? We know what rich is. Of course, it's money. Lots of money. But what does it do for a person? What would a billion dollars feel like? And it gives people two things. It gives people a sense of security and a sense of opportunity. Secure that I can protect myself. Heaven forbid things go badly. I could um, fix. We could heal pay for what we need, and a sense of opportunity. Wow, I could go on those vacations that I always wanted to. I could buy the cars and the, and the clothes and the things I always wanted to and do the things I always wanted to. And the truth is, if you realize that you've been put in this world for unique opportunity, a unique mission, for which you have the means and the situation, the circumstances, if you dig deep down, what does each person want to really do in this world? fulfill their mission. You can do it. We have it. It's right here in front of our noses. There's a beautiful prayer. I'm not sure of the source of it. The serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that is the core value of do not covet. One more idea, which just blows my mind, is that the Midrash says that Pasha's Kadoshim to you, there's a chapter in the Torah called Be Holy, and um, the Midrash says that it was taught to the entire assembly. Moses taught it to the entire assembly of the people at, one, at, at, at um, the same time, rather than how it was usually the usual manner of teaching first Aaron and then his children, the elders, and then the people. And the Midrash says, why? Because there are ten verses in Pasha's Kedoshim which relate to the Ten Commandments. And which verse relates to do not covet? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you truly understand that you're an individual, you're unique, you have a unique mission, well, so does everyone else. And then, instead of being in competition with them, instead of having to do better than them in whatever it might be, you're no longer in competition. I need to become an expert in being me. In being Zusha. And Naftali has to be an expert in becoming Naftali. And that similarity in difference 
Right? We are similar in that we each have our unique opportunities and mission bonds us like glue. Of course I love you. I relate to you full-heartedly and I'm in no competition with you whatsoever. In fact, I want you to fulfill your mission as you should want me to fulfill mine. To be able to celebrate. How do you know if you've really, in some way, integrated this core value into your life? is are you able to celebrate the successes of others even in the, the even in the areas that you are lacking and i want to conclude just with going back to that question where we said the letter of the law says you see your friend's shoes and you wonder to yourself wow i'd love a pair of shoes like that should i buy them on amazon and the um the uh, answer to that question should be obvious. What, why do you want those shoes? What are they going to do for you? If your neighbor is a role model, if those shoes would make a big difference in your life, well then, gesundheit, hate. Go ahead, buy them. Your friend just became a role model. But if you're attracted to those shoes because that's somehow what success, outside success is, some sort of objective success, and you're trying to keep up with your neighbors, and you're trying to be the one to look like you're successful, that's coveting. That's do not covet. And I think, honestly believe, that's why that's, the letter of the Lord does not, does not um, forbid this. Because sometimes... Yes, go ahead. Use what you see. See your friends. And respect. see a person acting in a beautiful way, something you could incorporate in your own life that works for you, that you know you need. There are role models. But should it be something that you're looking for, fame, wealth, success, in the way that it's used, that's do not covet. So to integrate this as a core value, do not covet, meaning see your life as a gift, as a blessing, as a unique opportunity to fulfill a mission, in order to integrate it, ask yourself these questions. What does this deber mean to you? When can, it be, when can it be applied? What are the challenges you're going to face applying it? And how can you overcome them? Thank you for listening.